0: Hello everyone, I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. The host for this episode is April DeYoung. April is a serial entrepreneur, a trait she received from her parents who owned a furniture store in Edmonton that she worked at growing up. That experience set the tone for her business life, to do it all and do it well. After working in international trade and economic development, April left that career to start a family and work alongside her husband in their award-winning residential design firm, DeYoung Design Associates. Over the past year, April started a real estate team with another realtor who comes from a design background as well. For most people, that would be enough, but April also owns and operates a vintage clothing pop-up shop with two of her friends, and she has a boutique graphic design studio. April is now helping her kids launch their own businesses. And now let's get right to the show with April and her special guest, Lisa Poole. Take it away, April.
1: My name is April DeYoung, and I am sitting here today with Lisa Poole. Lisa is a family care partner and provides insight from a perspective of lived experience. Her father, John, has a diagnosis of vascular dementia and resides in long-term care. Lisa sits on Dementia Network Calgary Strategic Council, Alzheimer's Society of Calgary's Board of Directors, Age Well's Older Adult and Caregiver Advisory Committee, Alzheimer's Society of Canada's COVID 19 Task Force, Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement's Community Based Dementia Care and Support Advisory Team, is co chair of Dementia Advocacy Canada and is the founder and editor of Dementia Connections Magazine. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, April. And uh, great to see you through Zoom. <laughs> Be nice to do this in person, but anyways, um, I just wanted to get started and say I'm really glad you took some time out to uh, be part of our podcast. And I'm sure people are wondering how you know you get from innovation to you know and dementia. How are the link? We were talking earlier you and I about age tech and others uh, all, all you know burgeoning. Uh, growth of uh, technologies uh, related to aging, to you know, uh, new models in housing, to replace long-term care, that kind of thing. So I just wanted to get started and uh, let me know how you started with uh, the magazine, uh, Dementia Connections. How did you get into that? Well, April, when my father was diagnosed with dementia, my family understood very little about dementia. And we didn't really understand what he was experiencing or what kind of care he would need and so we had a lot of struggles trying to find out how we could help him and support my mom and what the rest of the family needed to know and it was and it was very frustrating trying to find the information that we needed. There are some fabulous places, um, little pockets of information and people to speak to. But in terms of continuity of information that you need for every stage that you go through, we just didn't really find what we were looking for. And so I decided to try to start a resource that would contain the information that I wish that we'd had when we started on our way through the journey. And it's since evolved into stories of people across Canada, around the world. There are so many different interesting topics that are related to dementia that uh, it's been a really exciting project to be part of. Wow. And um, I know there's different sections. There's a whole section on um, technology in there. Can you talk a little bit about that? I find that really fascinating and something I had no idea about. (laughs) Well, yes, and especially in the age of COVID. Opportunities for technology are just exploding in the area of what is called age tech, and that's technology for older adults. And everything from geolocating devices to different home modifications to monitoring devices to um, communication devices and memory aids, there's enormous and unlimited opportunities out there for innovators in the area of technology. And we were discussing that you have, you were even, uh, what was the name of the company that you're doing uh, sampling for? Uh, sampling. You, uh, I'm, I'm doing a demo right demo. now for <laughs> yeah. A called Alton View. And they have a product called the Cypress Visual Sensor. And it's really cool because what it does is it, for the family care partner, I can put on this device, which is basically a video camera on, say, my mom, um, but it doesn't actually record images it just records a stick figures Mm. and so it only restricts her autonomy and privacy and then the person on the receiving end that you you get an app on your cell phone Mm -hmm. receives an alert so that if there's a fall or some other um, you know situation of, of significance like perhaps there's no movement for whatever the parameter of hours that you set then you get an alert And so it's just really exciting how a lot of the issues that people have with some of those devices in terms of privacy and autonomy, they're now finding ways to make them better for everybody. That's excellent. And uh, uh, peace of mind and yet giving them the clients uh, dignity and support. And I guess we talked a little bit about um, uh, the long-term care, uh, sorry, long-term care facility crisis. What are you seeing? What are the trends? Yeah. And and so... Unlike other countries in the world, about 80% of the budget that we have goes into supporting people living in long-term care, and about 20% goes into people living in the community, even though 80% of people living with dementia live in the community, and about 20% of them live in long-term care. So it is really disproportionate, and I think COVID has really highlighted some of the challenges with these large uh, care institutions. And how they're not necessarily providing the living situation that optimizes, you know, well-being for people. And there's other options we should be considering, whether it's small home models or enhanced care, enhanced enhanced care in the community. Yeah, I guess I guess when you're shutting down, you're shutting down the entire facility, and a hundred odd people can be, you know, essentially isolated, versus. Uh, in a in a small group home. We talked about group homes, I guess, right? It was it five to ten people in a group home that kind of model? And, you know, then you're not having a hundred people in, in lockdown, hundred and fifty people and exposing that many people to potential issues, but also isolating all these people for, for how long and, and that's a huge impact on mental health and and people not getting their the food. I mean I've heard stories of people you know, when they're in lockdown, they get their food delivered to the door, picked up from the door, but nobody's ensuring that the clients are eating the food or, or you know, and, and so it's such a social, eating such a social activity that, uh, you yeah. know, it's really distressing for both the people who are residing in that type of situation, but also for their family members, because people are going weeks and in some cases months without having any human contact, right? And, you know, especially if you have dementia and someone comes into your room and they're wearing masks and gloves and gowns and, you know, it's it's not comforting and it is, um, yeah, it's social isolation and the you know, depression and anxiety are, are really becoming a huge problem and people are deteriorating. They're losing weight. They're not eating. And people are... You know, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not a good situation. So do you think that the future will hold uh, more group homes in the community? What would it take to, I guess, address this? Like, How do, you, how do we change this model around? What do you, what do you see for that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I personally hope we move in that direction. If we look to the developmental disability groups decades ago, they recognized that institutions were inhumane And they looked at other models. And I think it was Jean Dany who was one of the leaders in creating the group home model. And they've been very successful. And and it's not to say that, once again, using COVID as as an example, that they have been completely immune to COVID. But it's it's a smaller cohort. It's a smaller bubble. It helps keep it contained. And the quality of life that people have in that type of setting is so different. Uh, Not to say that long-term care and institution isn't the right place for some people, Mm. Many people that home like environment where they can be, you know, doing something in the kitchen or they can smell food cooking, or they can go outside into a backyard or sit in the front porch and watch kids ride their bikes by. Um, that is an environment that holds appeal for lots of people. Gotcha. And, uh, with respect to skilled and regulated workforce, we talked a little bit about that uh your thoughts around you know maybe special certification in order to work uh with people with dementia where where has it been and where do you see it going well it's very interesting you should bring that up because literally in the last week the Alberta government has just introduced new legislation on the topic of regulation of healthcare aids which in my opinion is absolutely fantastic because it's something that we've been lobbying, advocacy groups have been lobbying for for some time. Um, so I think it's bill 46 is what which bill it is. And so because the reason the regulation of healthcare care age is so important is so that we understand what kind of skill levels people have. Dementia, for example, is a really complex condition. And not just anybody has the skills needed to assist someone with dementia. And there's over 100 different types of dementia. And it manifests differently in each person depending upon their unique characteristics and their life experiences. And so things can escalate and go sideways very quickly if you don't understand dementia. And it's not to say that there's not some absolutely fantastic, amazing people out there providing care because there there are... um, I mean, we've been very fortunate to meet many people who have, you know, incredible compassion and um, are very grateful to them. But just as a whole, regulation will hopefully protect the care staff as well, because it will hopefully include fair pay benefits to make sure they're properly compensated. It will also give people confidence in the work that they're doing, because there'll be minimum standards and certifications that they need to qualify for And it will help people, um, you know, with the scheduling of the one worker, one site policy, which has also been something that we've been advocating for, not so much because of infection control, although we now understand the important role that plays, but it's more so that people can develop a personal relationship with someone who's providing care with them. In some places right now, the way the schedules work, you can have up to 20 different people accessing your naked body in one week. And so you can only imagine how intrusive that is for people um, if different strangers are coming in and they don't really understand their specific personal preferences of you know, how they like to do things. So it, overall, I'm very, very excited about this regulation and think it's a, a step in the right direction. And as far as I know, Alberta is the first province to be doing this. Wow, that's a Great to hear. I had no, I couldn't even imagine uh, the the loss of dignity having twenty different people accessing you, your person. I mean, it just it's not something you'd think that would be happening in this day and age. Well, I wanted to say, Lisa, thank you very much for the interview today. I love that you you know you came at this with love and and compassion because of your own experience with your family, your father. And uh, what you're doing is, is just a beautiful, you know, you've, you've jumped in, you've gotten involved in so many different areas of dementia advocacy, and you are helping so many people. Thank you very much. Thank you, April.
0: If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage. Inspire. Educate. Together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.